All right, good morning, everybody. Oh, that was, that was really weak. Listen, I didn't come here for this weakness. Good morning, everyone. Here we go. We're here. We're at church. We're here to praise God, right? So we should be excited. We should be ready. And we should be anticipating, right? Amen? So if it is your first time here, welcome. Uh, we want to especially welcome you. And uh, we, we thank you for joining us here. We pray we don't scare you off. We are a little wacky, some of us, some more than others. Luckily, Pastor Brian is on vacation this and next week. Um, but I am here, and uh, I, my name is Jamie. I'm the associate pastor here at South Coast. And uh, hopefully, uh, we do, I, I do a good job filling in for our senior pastor here. So um, just a few announcements this morning. We have youth group, if uh, we want you to mark your calendars for our youth group summers, I'm sorry, youth group summer cookout, which is on Monday, August 31st, from 4 to 9 p.m. at the Lettons. Allison, can you raise your hand real quick? Allison is going to host that. So if you are in or part of the youth group, um, please mark your calendar for that day, August 31st. Aren't you done with youth group? And... Uh, <laughs> and we also have a baptism coming up, um, and this is important for anyone who has never been baptized. Um, you know, what we want to do is encourage you to just sort of consider what it is and what it means. Um, a lot of us grew up in the Catholic Church, and so we were baptized as infants, and so it's never really been a consideration. But if you look through Scripture, and you'll see that even Jesus himself was baptized as an adult. It was a conscious decision to live in obedience to what, what the scriptures are telling us to do. And it's, there's only a couple of ordinances, really, that Jesus gave us. First is communion, which we celebrated last week. And then the second is baptism. And so it's, it doesn't mean when, when you get baptized that you've arrived or that you've attained a certain status of holiness. What it means is, is that you've professed your faith in Jesus, that you're a believer, and that you just want to take that next step in obedience and proclaim to the world that you are following him. That's it. We're not going to give you a theology lesson. We don't expect you to be, uh, you know, to have mastered the doctrines of the gospel and grace. What we're asking you is to just consider that step of obedience. So if you are interested and you've never been baptized and you just want to even just talk about it first, please see me after service. Don't bother Pastor Brian. He's got his vacation shirt on, as you can see. Uh, he doesn't want to talk, he said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He'll, he'll talk, trust me. <laughs> so uh, please, we want you to consider that, okay? And then um, we want you to make sure that you understand that we are asking folks ahead of time to RSVP for the following week's service. We try to do that by Thursday so Kathy can have a nice roster in place. You see all the little name tags she puts on the seats and um, we kind of have to do a floor plan, obviously, with spacing and family groups and all that stuff because we just want to make sure that we abide by sort of, you know, the, the ordinances that the local governments have put in place. We want to be good tenants. We want to be good stewards, and we obviously want to keep meeting. So um, if you could just, you know, give us a call or send us an email, kathy at sccc.org, C-A-T-H-Y, and uh, she'll make sure that you get on the list if you do that before Thursday. We do have a limit obviously, um, but we seem to be kind of teetering right around that limit, so everybody typically gets in. Yep, and we do have an overflow room downstairs, so nobody will be turned away. 
um, if, you know, we go over that number, we'll, we'll let you go downstairs. And, you know, that's like the kids' table, you know, at Thanksgiving. Everybody, you can do whatever you want down there. It's cool. Nobody can see you. It's cool. So um, the other thing that, that we wanted to bring up, and we, we've talked about in the past and probably haven't talked about it in a while, obviously because of the whole uh, quarantine thing, but also because we want to make sure that this is a church body thing, that this isn't just a leadership thing. Um, as you know, uh, our landlords have been very gracious to us over the years and allowed us to use this space, and it's been a, a super um, valuable uh, place for us, if, for the lack of a better term. Um, We've grown a lot in this room. And, and in that time of growth, um, we've sort of started bursting at the seams and almost kind of working against ourselves, if you will, uh, because of, you know, the lack of seating and space and, and so on and so forth. So that shows us that it's time to, to spread our wings and to move on. And so we've talked about finding a building. Um, and so we formed a building committee, which has been meeting regularly. We actually just visited another church that has just built uh, rebuilt a space to just get some ideas and to start praying, uh, meeting with the realtor and so on and so forth. But as a church, these are your resources. And so, you know, one of the things pastor said to me, and it makes a lot of sense, is, you know, you just don't want it to be a handful of people who are ponying up and saying, hey, let's buy a church. And then everybody else is like, cool, we got a new building and we participate and we, we show up. Really what this should be is, is all of us sort of together deciding that we do need a new space with air conditioning, and we do need uh, uh, a little echo in here. <laughs> we want some space for our youth, right? We want to be able to break up the age groups. We want to have Sunday school. We want to do all these different things, and everybody keeps asking about these things, and that's awesome, but what we do need you to do is start praying with us first and foremost. That's super important because if we do this thing on a, just on a business level, then we're doing a disservice to you, and we're, doing a, we're not honoring God. So first, let's pray. Let's make this a spiritual process, and that's something we've emphasized with the building committee, and fast. And then also consider your financial role here. We're not one to pass a plate, and if this is your first time, you know, you'll notice that. We just have a little building in the back of the room there, and if you have a million dollars, you can put a, a check right in there if you want, and then we don't even have to have this conversation. No, I'm just kidding. Joking. But what we want you to do is really consider your part. Is this your body? Right? Is this where you belong? And do you want to be part of this venture with us? And do you want to sort of um, take on that responsibility with us? We're all sort of praying about that right now as a leadership team. And all of us, listen, this isn't like a, 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 an appeal to give more. So please don't hear that. What this is, is an appeal for you to go a little bit deeper with God in your acts of worship, with your resources that he provides for us, and that he gives us an opportunity to earn. So I just want you to think about it that way, and I want you especially to stop praying and fasting for that whole situation, because we definitely need a new place. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, good. Everybody agrees. Awesome. So that being said, why don't we stand up? Let's get ready to worship here this morning. I'm just going to ask you now to, to just pray with me as, as we get started. Really just kind of remember why we're here. So Lord, we come before you together today. We come before you this morning first because you command us to, to not forsake the assembling. And also because we can because we have the freedom to meet. 
And that is a great privilege, God. And we're so fortunate that we have that geographical privilege, that freedom here in this country to meet, to worship, and to praise you. Lord, let us not take that for granted. Let us not get complacent, as we often do. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't tie our American dream into our faith. Lord, that our faith would come first, biblical faith, Lord, as your word instructs and guides and commands, Lord. I pray, Lord, that each of us in this room would have a moment with you this morning or two. Father, that whatever we brought in here this morning, we would leave here at the foot of the cross. And, Lord, we would leave here lighter, different, more equipped and ready to serve and to glorify you in everything that we do. Lord, a lot of times we, we hear a word, we expect to be encouraged, but Lord, we don't take anything with us. We don't allow it to, to change our lives or our hearts and minds. So God, my prayer this morning is, is that you wreck us. That you tear us down if we need to be. You slay us, Lord, and then build us back up in the newness and the freedom of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I ask you now, Prepare each heart in this room for that. Prepare them, Lord, not just to worship you, Lord, but to receive from you. That the, the lyrics of these songs would be prayers. They would be statements of fact. That they wouldn't just be feel-good lyrics. And Lord, that the message that you put on my heart this morning, whatever is preached here, God, I pray that it would be all truth and all glorifying, but Father, that it would change and transform us as it's working on me already. So Lord, we thank you. We ask you now, inhabit our praises. Be with us here now as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray that you are glorified as we lift your name on high. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Good morning, church online. Um... I just want to encourage everyone. It's so good to see so many people here. Um, and I want to encourage those people that are watching online um, to come. There is that overflow room. Um, we're not sitting here for two hours with our masks on. I spoke to someone this week that thought that that's what it was. But when you're in your group, six feet away from everyone else, you can sit and listen to God's word. You don't have to have your mask on. So get to know each other online. Get to know each other by coming to uh, the physical service because we do miss you and we do gain strength from God when we're together and that's why he's given us community. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ. 
my living hope. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. Who could imagine? Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope praise in church hallelujah praise the one who set me free Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Say it again. Hallelujah. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Praise him, church. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your very body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Praise Him. Oh, Jesus, your has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain 
Blessed are we, amen. That we know our God, that He would come, take on human form to show us that the sovereign God of the universe loves us. take a few minutes for us to really let the sovereignty of God that he is rules the universe everything we see and touch has been created by him and just let the awesome grandeur of God sink into our spirits as we worship him so that we can worship him in spirit and truth amen just meditate on your Lord I'm in church. You got me? Going through. You hear me now? <laughs> as we as we really pose ourselves here for worship. I, I can't encourage you enough to, to not make this about a feel-good song, but statements of fact. That the God, the sovereign God of the universe, the creator of all things, brought you here this morning because he has something for you. And so when we look to the left or the right or, or we hide behind our masks or our comfort zones, we might miss these things. So I want to encourage you all to just allow God in. That as you read these lyrics or sing these lyrics, or you just have a moment of prayer through these songs, that you would really truly invite God in to, to just change you, to redirect your steps. Those things that you're struggling with, those things that, that you brought in here, that those strongholds in your life, this is the place, this is the time to have God deal with those things. So as we sing and as we get ready, allow him into those dark places. Allow him. Have your way, Lord. Let your spirit move freely in here and just really, truly have your way in Jesus' name.
us in our morning. Hallelujah. With the love that casts out fear, you're working in our waiting. You are working in our waiting. Sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust your plans. Oh, your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us and the fire and the flood. Hallelujah. Faithful forever. Perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise your God. Wisdom unimagined. You are wisdom unimagined. Who could understand your ways? Reigning high above the heavens, reaching down in endless grace. Praise you, God, the lifter of the lowly. You're the lifter of the lowly. Compassionate and kind. You surround and you uphold me. And your promises are my delight. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever. Perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Your plans. Your plans are still to prosper you have not forgotten us you were with us in the fire and the flood your faith what the enemy prepares for evil God uses it for his glory and for our good if you believe that you see even what the enemy means for evil you turn it for our good you turn it for our good and for your glory and even in the valley you are faithful you're working for our good you're working for our good, for your glory. Even what the enemy means for evil, you'll turn it for our good. You'll turn it for our good and for your glory. 
are faithful. You're working for our good. You're working for our good. For your glory, your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us, praise you. You're with us in the fire and the flow. And faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Sing it again from your heart. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. Faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. praise the holy one of heaven the angels stand around his throne singing holy 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 is the lord god almighty praise you god and let our voices join an angel chorus for he is worthy praise you jesus On heaven's mercy seat. Sing it again. Praise you, God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing the new song to Him who sits on. Heaven's mercy seat, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Hallelujah. With all creation, I'll sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything. Oh, you, oh, 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 lift him up. Clothed in rainbows, clothed in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Praise you, God. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and days and days to come. With 
Father, you are worthy of our praise. Jesus. God, no matter how much we worship you, God, it's never enough. For who you are, for what you've done, for who you've made us. God, we, we ask that this worship, God, this praise that we've lifted up to your throne today, God, that it, that it please you, God. Let it be sweet to you, Lord. God, if we could really understand your glory, if we could really understand your awesomeness, that we would do nothing but worship you forever and ever, God, because that is your worth. And even our meager worship, God, is nothing compared to what you deserve. God, prepare our hearts for this message, God. Anoint Pastor Jamie afresh, God, with your word, God, with your revelation power, the understanding and the knowledge of your, of your written word, God, and the Holy Spirit, God, to help us learn and interpret it. 
We love you, Jesus, and in all things, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Kind of caught in a wind tunnel up here. Hold on. All right. So good morning again. You know, when, um, when we're preparing these messages, right, there's these things that happen sometimes, like always God speaks to us first, always, and, and if not, then we shouldn't even be up here sharing what we have because then we're just preparing a speech. <clears throat> so as, as, you know, he led me to this portion of scripture, as this word sort of materialized, I went, ooh, this is going to be a tough word because it really pinched me quite a bit. And I said, well, I have one of two choices, right? I could, I could take a different route and kind of shelf this one for another time, maybe when I preach at Teen Challenge, right? Because I can beat those guys up real good. <laughs> and I said, no, wait a second, what am I doing here? Like, this is what the Lord has put on my heart, and there's a reason for that, and so I could, my second choice was to just be obedient and allow this word to sort of come forth, if you will, and then hope that you don't all hate me after today. <laughs> Some of you already do, so that's cool. No harm, no foul. <laughs> well, that's good. There's a couple of people that love me. That's perfect. Let's see if they still do at, at 11 o'clock, 11.30. So, so the point is, is that, you know, sometimes hard truth is important. As a matter of fact, I can't think of a time where the truth isn't. And so our, our job as pastors and preachers is to make sure that that truth is put forth. And then we pray that you take that truth and that you apply it and that you allow it to change and transform you. If you've heard me praying this morning, that's been my prayer since yesterday, that this would, that today, these moments together, the word, the worship, would really change us. Because we all need to be changed and grown more into the likeness of Jesus. Can everybody agree with that? Okay, good. You're with me. <clears throat> so who remembers when they were young and, and, and felt like life was going to last forever? Only a couple of you? <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. You know, who remembers that feeling of invincibility? Right? I remember when I was a kid. You know, nothing could harm me. I just felt safe. Invincible is the word I would use. And then who remembers when those feelings started to fade and you started to realize that that just wasn't the case? That life was fairly short, and that you weren't invincible. Maybe you lost a loved one, or, or someone you, you know got sick, or there was a tragedy in your life, or, or you just heard about something, and it made you start to really think. Sound like the Wizard of Oz for a second there, I'm sorry. For effect. <laughs> right? You realize that life was short, and that time was precious. But my question is, is did that actually cause you to change how you lived? Did that thought 
or those thoughts you have maybe when you go to a funeral about your own mortality and the brevity of life, does that actually cause you to change how you live? And I just want you to think about that for a second because when, when I do a funeral, one of the things that I always think about is, is I have these ears for maybe about 10 or 15 minutes. And so I want to share something that's going to force them to look at their own mortality, the brevity of their life, in light of the loss of this loved one, and then to act. To, to, to reach out to, to, to God on a deeper level, to press into their faith, to live a life of more substance, to stop getting caught up on the hamster wheels. So if it didn't cause you to change how you lived, did, it just keep, did you just keep on going living as if time wasn't our most precious resource and commodity? It's kind of hard to even answer that question, right? Personally. I think a lot of us take this for granted, right? It's sad to say that most of us are not living in light of the fact that our lives are just a vapor or a mist, as James puts it. We're here for a short time and, and then we vanish. So as I put this message together, as I said, I prayed that it would challenge everyone as much as it challenged me, and I hope you squirm a little. I really do. Because, see, change starts with discomfort, and because I love you and I want to see you all grow, overcome, and be free, I'm going to share nothing but truth with you today. And I'll do my best to serve that truth with love and grace. As pastor says, grace is the envelope truth comes in. So I'll try to be nice. <laughs> so I'm going to share a story of a man named C.T. Studd. Some of you may have heard of him. Probably, most of you probably haven't. So Charles Thomas Studd was born into wealth and destined for affluence. He was converted during his college years at Cambridge and began following Jesus in faithful obedience. In his own day, he was the Michael Jordan of cricket. While many expected for him to play professionally and return to London to embrace a life of affluence and influence, Studd chose to forsake it all for the sake of participating in God's global purposes. Stud would go on to minister in India, Africa, and China, and his wealthy father left him a sizable inheritance excuse me, to which he graciously gave away. It's possible that you've never heard of Stud before this moment, but heaven knows his name. Heaven knows all that he accomplished in his life, and he lived his life with perspective because he lived in light of eternity. And so I'm going to read a poem that he wrote. And some of you may know this poem, and now you can link it to C.T. Studd. It's a little lengthy, but it's really good. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction, conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently. 
bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for life or in his will. Only one life till soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. Enjoy or sorrow thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will laugh, last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee. Beautiful poem. Deep. I think John Piper actually has it on the wall in his office, that, that phrase. And now I understand why, is when I read it in the light of the scriptures that I was reading when I put together this message, it's powerful. One life will soon be passed. And the only things that matter that we do in this life will be the things that we do for Jesus. So all of us should be a little convicted by that and that statement, because I know I am. A lot of the stuff I do on a daily basis has no eternal value. It doesn't honor God. It might even displease Him. And that's not to say that everything we do, in a sense, should be focused on maybe ministry. But, but the Word says that in all things, we should do it for the glory of God. Amen? Everything, every conversation, every thought, every action, everything we participate in, we should put him at the center of it. It should be seen, life, through the lens of the cross. So I'm going to read the portion of scripture that brought me here this morning. It's in James chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can, you can open that up. And it's verses 13 through 17. <clears throat> James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
so that's kind of tough. You know, we sit here in church or we read our scriptures or our morning devotions, right? Or we go to our Bible studies or our groups or we listen to our podcasts and we hear the word of God and the instruction from God. And what James just said is that the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin to him. Ouch. So I'm going to break this down. The title of the sermon is, is Your Life is a Vapor. Don't waste it. And I'm going to break this down into three sections. First, who are you? Second, why are you here? Third, what are you going to do about it? See, who are you? When we're asked that question, we typically answer with our names or, or the titles and roles that we've acquired through our lives, right? But that doesn't really answer the question. Sure, it may identify us to some degree, but that's not what I'm asking you here today. What I'm asking here today is, is that you truly dig deep and ask yourself, who am I? Aside from the labels and the roles, aside from the box you found your comfort and belonging in, who are you? Much of the time we're, we're just living up to these labels, but they don't truly tell the story of who we are. What makes you tick? What or who do you love? What do you fear? What are your deepest desires? Sadly, many of us never get to a place where we sincerely search our hearts and discover who we truly are. And because of that, we can't even get to that place of identifying with deep conviction that we were created uniquely with a purpose. We haven't had the privilege of experiencing complete brokenness and total dismantling that leads to surrender. And some of us know exactly what I'm talking about right now. This surrender that leads to a new identity in Jesus Christ. We're spending too much time pretending to hold it all together to allow ourselves to fall apart. See, once we do that, everything changes. Everything. And we're redefined as a person and nothing is ever the same. And it's scary because we crave comfort and, and change is not comfortable. You know, I can remember in my life personally, as bad as it was and all the stupid things that I was doing, I still feared what was on the other side of giving that up. I still was, a, was afraid to lose control that I didn't even have in the first place. But that's where it begins. That's where it starts. And I'll never forget, and when people asked me, what happened to you? What changed you so radically in that place? I said, I met God, and he introduced me to myself. I finally took off the mask. I finally stopped hiding. And I allowed God to hold up a mirror to my life and to my soul and to my spirit and my sin and to say, look, this is who you are. And it was ugly. 
It wasn't pretty. I mean, sure, the exterior looked pretty good. I'm just kidding. But you know what he did is he didn't just leave me there in that disgust and brokenness. He said, but I have a plan, but I have this way for you to be renewed and remade, redefined. I have hope for you. And at the other side of this scary surrender, he began to rebuild my life. And there are many of you in this room who know exactly what I'm talking about. That you had this encounter with God that was so real, so tangible. That it was like a light switch went off after you'd been walking around in the dark your entire life. Somebody just flicked that switch and everything made sense. All of a sudden you were seeing things you never saw and you were considering things you never considered and you felt peace and contentment and freedom that you never even knew existed. Who here has been completely deconstructed and then reconstructed by God? Who here? That's a beautiful thing. Raise your hand. Be proud. Be, be excited. You're the people who yell stuff during service, right? You're the people who cry while you're driving in your car because that pretty bird landed next to you or something crazy, right? We're nuts. We're living. We're alive in Christ. And so if so, then you understand what I'm getting at. And if you're not, you're st still sitting here wondering... Who am I? And don't let that discourage you today if you haven't had that. Don't let that discourage you. Be encouraged. Let the hands that were just raised by the people around you inspire and reassure you that it's very possible. It's within your reach. It's right here, it's right now, and it's yours for the taking. Did you know that? The only thing stopping that is you. That everyone who raised their hand, <coughs> excuse me, at one point felt the same way you did, that it wasn't possible, you didn't know how to do it, you couldn't figure it out, you were too far gone, you didn't understand. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when we stand in that perspective. But when we desire it, when we say, God, just take me, slay me. That's my word today, right, Gary? Slay. In my prayers this morning and in the music I was listening to, that was it. God, just slay me. Just destroy me. All of that that isn't you, all of that that doesn't glorify you, all of that that's keeping me from the life that you have created for me and planned for me and predestined for me, destroy it. It serves no purpose. The more you taste that freedom in him, the more you experience that reconstruction and, and, and that newness, the more zeal you have for him. The more you desire, you know, every, week after week we watch Pastor Brian come up here and cry, right? <laughs> kind of embarrassing sometimes, you're like, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> I mean, you could talk about his ducks and he cries. 
But that's the softness of heart that comes with reconstruction. That's that heart of flesh that Ezekiel talks about where he takes that heart of stone out of our chest. All that pride, all that I've got it all figured out or this is all nonsense or you don't know what you're talking about. All that nonsense that we hide behind. He gets, he gets rid of that all and he exposes you. You stand naked before the cross and then he rebuilds you into something so much greater that you never even imagined. And before you know it, you're crying every week before a bunch of people wearing crazy shirts and you don't even care. Amen? I want you to, to see what Scripture says about all of this. I want, to see, I want you to see what, what Scripture, because my opinions mean zilch, zero, nada. The only good thing about me is the truth that's in me as I stand up here. And I'm good with that. And I'm thankful for that. Because I've had opinions all my life, and some of, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got an opinion about everything, right? And you think you're the authority on everything. And I won't go any further or call any names out, but I'm just telling you, I know some of you. <laughs> but I want you to see what the Word of God says. Who you are who you are. Instead of you sitting here going, well, I like puppies, you know, I'm a hiker, I'm a this enthusiast, and I'm a that enthusiast, and this is what I do for a living, and I'm a mom, and I'm a dad, and I'm a grandparent, and I'm this, and I'm that. Get away from that for a second. I'm not trying to strip you of those roles. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that's not who you are. That's what you do. I want to tell you what scripture says. In Genesis 1, 27, it says that he created you in his own image. Man and woman, he created in his own image. In Psalm 139 says, he wove you together in your mother's womb and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2, 10, it says, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Feeling useless? You're not. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You're not who you used to be, no matter what anyone says to you. Galatians 2.20 says, You've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You're members of this body. You're part of this body. Means you have purpose here in this body and globally in the body of Christ. You were bought into it. And then 1 Peter 2.9 says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? Man, we need to get excited about this stuff. One, because we should, and two, because I can't be the only one up here acting like a nut. This is really good. This is, this is awesome stuff. 
We're not all these other things that we've slapped on ourselves or other people have slapped on us. We're who he says we are, and we're to do what he says we're to do. Some of you walked in here today thinking you would just see simple labels that the world placed on you, and you've either never had an encounter with Jesus and discovered what it means to be a new creation, or sadly, you've forgotten. You've forgotten. You've forgotten that you've been called from death to life. You've forgotten that you were made in the image of the living God. You've forgotten that you've been adopted through Christ and are heirs to the throne. You've forgotten that your identity and your imperfections and everything else about you is hidden in Christ. Hidden in Christ. When the Lord sees you, he sees his son. Don't forget that. Stop beating yourself up and saying, I keep failing and I'm doing this wrong and I'm doing that wrong and I'm not good enough. And yeah, I love Jesus, but stop it. You are hidden in Christ. You are a work in progress and he promises to sanctify you. He says that he will continue the good work to anybody that he began it in. Until that day. Not because of how good you are, not because of, of what you can accomplish on your own, but because of who he is and what he can do with anything. Amen? Brothers and sisters, it's time we start to really embrace the fact that this life is just a vapor. But a life in Christ is forever. How are you living in light of that? Are you living as if this vapor is everything? Are you, are you putting this vapor before him and his call on your life? Think. So let's get to the next point. Why are you here? I don't mean just here in this building today, but I'm, we're glad you're here. But why do you exist why are you here in this time alive with a conscience and a physical body riding on this spinning ball of dirt? You ever think about that? Once we understand who we are, the next logical question is why we are. Why? And I think this is something most of us grossly overthink sometimes. Anybody an overthinker in this room? making fun of her. This is great. But we do. We grossly overthink the why sometimes. And it creates anxiety and unnecessary pressure and fear and all this worry. What does it amount to? Nothing. Just more worry. We worry about the things we're going to worry about tomorrow. And then when we get there, we worry about that. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's a lot of hands going up in here today. It's either we overthink it or, or we fall into the world's definition or instruction. We're not just here to work hard, pay bills, and save up some money so we can enjoy some retirement before we die. Did you know that? That's not our purpose not our why that's the world's definition of our why and it's all constructed especially here in the United States right 
This first world mentality is, is like everything caters to that sort of trajectory. Whether it's our education system, our retirement plans, the stock market. Well, let's not go that far. But the point is, is that we settle for that. And so as I was praying, I prayed that we wouldn't insert our American dreams into our pursuit of Jesus, into our faith walk, into our Christianity, because that's not what Christianity is. Because if I lived in the Middle East, <coughs> excuse me, or I lived in Haiti, or some other difficult place that didn't have this American dream that was so easy for us to attain, what would my Christianity look like then? Would your Christianity be different if you lived in a different place? Now, I'm getting it. I'm trying to offend everybody, but we'll get there. Just give me some time. See, Scripture makes it pretty clear and keeps it pretty simple. Jesus even came and demonstrated it because he knows how we tend to miss the point. Funny, even his closest friends and, and followers missed it most of the time, and they had the answers, or the answer, right there in front of them. I mentioned in Ephesians 2.10 earlier that it states, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's the simple answer, right? But what are those good works, right? Here's where I really hurt some feelings. I love you all, but I'm going in. What are those good works? I'm going to tell you I'm going I'm to let you in on something, and I'm going to tell you what it is not. It is not attending church regularly. It is not tithing weekly. It is not joining a small group or Bible study. It is not listening to Christian music, and I use that term loosely. Right, Pablo? It is not cussing less or being kind, wearing a Christian t-shirt or slapping a Christian bumper sticker on your car. It is not posting scripture on social media or standing up to political views that conflict with your own religious beliefs. Got everybody, right? Did I offend everyone? Did I miss anyone? No hands up now. See, I'm not saying these, are, these things are all bad. It's not what I said. That's not how I frame this, is it? I said that these are not the good works that Ephesians is talking about. These are not our why. In fact, we should be doing most of these things. The problem is, is most of us have made this the extent of our Christianity. Anyone feel that? We have made that the extent of our Christianity. We think if we go to church and we go to Bible study and we tithe religiously and we have the right music on and the right shirt and we speak the right language and we post the right things, that we're doing good works for God. And we sleep better at night. Because we've bought into this American church ideology that tells us it's nothing more than that. 
Sure, you can serve at the soup kitchen, or you can go out you know, once a month and do X, Y, or Z. Some good deeds are good to keep under your belt if you're a little more radical than the next one. See, I went away, I, I, I was in church for 10, 11 years, getting my head filled with all kinds of knowledge, and do you know what was not happening? Is my heart wasn't changing. I was just learning how to conform to religiosity. I was learning how to pretend to be like the other people in the church I attended. And I was feeling at that too, by the way, because I'm really bad at all of this, just so you know. And then what happened was, is God stripped everything away from me. And I, and I can honestly say, I was completely complicit in that. <laughs> that I threw it all away too. But the point is, is that by the grace of God, he brought me to a place, as I told you earlier, of reckoning. And he had me look at this, and he's like, you know, just because you go to church, just because you know some verses, just because you can behave for a little bit of the time, does not make you good, and that's not what I called you to, and that's not what this is about. Stop making it about this thing. That's so phony. It's superficial. It has no bearing on even my life, never mind the lives around me. All I did was prove what a hypocrite I was. You know, and then I came home after having this real encounter and being broken and deconstructed, where God was starting to build me up as he continues to do. And I started looking at church and going, this is not what I see in the Bible. I don't just see a bunch of us sitting together on Sunday singing songs and wearing nice clothes and putting on fake smiles and then going home and not loving our families the way we should and not leading our families the way we should and not, and not representing Christ the way we should in the community or in our workplaces and not serving recklessly and radically and loving people with reckless abandon. I wasn't seeing a lot of that. And a lot of people got mad at me for that at first because I was questioning their comfort, the stuff they had made. And on their behalf, I'm kind of a jerk about things and I probably didn't do it too tactfully because I was immature and overzealous. And so I would start kind of pointing out the things that weren't happening and I'm going out, at least I'm doing this. And that's not the right way to do this either, just so you know. I learned that hard lesson, and that's a story for another time. But the point was, is part that truth that I was working from is real. It's that the church isn't what it should be most of the time. And do you know why? Because we individually are not what we are, not what we are supposed to be most of the time. Because we, as I said, are what make up the body. And so we rely on maybe 10% of the people, the leaders and those kind of Bible-thumping crazy people, right, Bernice? To do, all the, to do all the crazy radical stuff. And we forget that we were called from darkness into this glorious, marvelous light. That we have a duty to do, an obligation 
according to Scripture. Anybody squirming yet a little bit? Anybody? Not because of the heat. I see you. As I'm putting this together, I'm like, I don't really need to say that. (laughs) I don't want to offend anybody. But you know, I realized that over my time and my walk with Jesus, that it's when I was really confronted with truth that wasn't my truth, and I was made uncomfortable, that I actually made a difference. Sure, I might, I, I might not have liked hearing it at the time, you know, because that was a whole other thing. I had to learn how to take correction. People love that, right? But you know, that's when I actually had to start revisiting some of my mindsets and perspectives and start adjusting how I did things. And you know, God's doing a good work in me. But I have a long way to go. And I'm asking all of you, and we're inviting all of you to join us in this. I don't want spectators. Pastor Brian, we don't want spectators here in the church. We want participants. We want to see you free. We want to see you grow. We want to see this church light the world, not just for Haven and New Bedford. We want to see something so contagious and radical happen here that God is so glorified by us that lives are changed just because they know us or heard of us. And you're sitting there going, oh, that's a little too much. It's not. Look at what Jesus did with 12 knuckleheads. There's a lot more than 12 of you here today. And if he can do that with so few, what can he do with us if we just live in obedience? And I'm going to get to this in a second. We've turned, we've turned this into a superficial religion and conformed Jesus into the likeness of ourselves by redefining the biblical definition of good works. These things are not the good works that Scripture is referring to, and anyone that's familiar with that verse knows what I mean. I mean, has anyone who knows that verse or is familiar with it really explored what the writer was referring to? If you ever say we were created for good works, we usually take that as a compliment. See, I was created for something good. But we don't look at what that means is, is you were created to do something. And we don't even take on that responsibility. We don't adopt it. And we don't even explore or examine what those good works are. Because we're just too busy patting ourselves on the back, so to speak. But since Scripture interprets Scripture, let's look at God's Word to see what the Apostle Paul has to say about these good works and what they look like in the life of a Christian follower. I'm going to go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 21, and I'm going to read that to you. And if you have your Bibles, please feel free to read along. It's a good portion, but... It's pretty thorough. It's not exhaustive. To get to an exhaustive list or understanding, we'd probably have to do an in-depth study on this. So for the sake of time, we're going to use Paul's words, and they're good. So in 12.1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Some translations say, which is your reasonable act of worship. Like, this is the least you can do. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that, gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another, one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tri tribulation, and devoted to prayer. Oh no, there's more. Contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. Bless those, this is a good one, Bless those who persecute you and bless those, bless them, do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly and do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Some of that stuff we're really good at because it's easy. Or it feels good. But the stuff that doesn't feel good or doesn't come easy to us, we're not so good at. And we make excuses for, oh, we justified a conversation with someone this week. And they says, well, what about if I only do it with somebody I really trust? Vent or speak like that about somebody. And I said, is it not sin in that company? But, but, that's between you and God. <clears throat> Paul first tells us to give our bodily selves over to God and to no longer live in conformity to the world and its views. And I just mentioned this, right? The world, the, particularly the world we live in here in America, tells us the purpose of life is to work hard so we can have all this stuff that society has de deemed valuable, and then be slaves to maintaining those things, hopefully save a little money on the way, and then retire and rest so we can die comfortably. Paul blows this entire mentality and philosophy out of the water. He then goes on to say that we are transformed, I'm sorry, we are to be transformed by this renewed mind we have through our gospel experience. This goes back to who we are. 
Or it might even better be said better to say whose we are. Once we are in Christ and have new life and we're a new creation, then we should also have new minds. That's what Paul is saying. So with that new life, we're called to prove to the world what God's good and acceptable and perfect will is. That instruction might contradict those comfortable lives we're pursuing, right? Oftentimes it does. How many of you had to rethink everything once you entered into this relationship with Jesus? I know I did. And you should have, because we all should have. See, it's not about conforming to some religion, right? It's all about living in gratitude for what Jesus did on that cross, and through our love and reverence for him, desiring to live life, a life of obedience that glorifies him. In verses 3 through 8, Paul tells us to remember who we are. We, should, we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we are, and that we're no better than anyone else. We're all sinners, saved by grace, and together, in unity, we're called to perform those good works with the gifts God has given us to build up the body of Christ and to make it a more effective force in this dark world. Scripture says, they will know who we are by the way we love one another. Is that how you're being identified? People know who you are by the way you love one another? In verses 9 through 21, Paul goes on and addresses how we're to treat others. And so we're then called to love without hypocrisy, avoid evil, love what is good, be devoted to one another in love, give preference to one another in honor, don't lag in diligence, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, persevere in tribulation, devote yourselves to prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and practice hospitality. We're doing all these things, right? How about this one? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I have in my notes, ouch. And it says Bernice in parentheses. Who we are is directly related to why we're here. We can't claim to love and follow Jesus but not live in obedience to him. That is called hypocrisy we exist for this short time to do these good works salvation is just the beginning our lives then become our ministries the question is is are we going to pick up our cross and follow him or live a life of lukewarm christianity because the world says it's okay that's our choice that's the crossroads and i know this is more this is this is definitely a more challenging message i knew that going into it but the reality is, is it's straight out of Scripture. It's straight out of the Word of God, and it's exactly what God expects from us. He's not looking for religious nuts, but spiritual fruit. I love that saying. He doesn't care how religious we are. He cares how devoted we are to Him, to the body, to the ministry. Jesus took 12 ordinary men and changed the world, as I said. And that happened because once these men understood what the cross meant and how brief this life was, that it was a vapor, they lived radically for the one who saved their souls. And the question for each of us here today is, will we do the same? The last portion, the third part, I left blank. Part three says, what are you going to do about it? 
Because it's just a question. It's just a question. You know, in light of all these biblical truths, in light of everything I've said, and what the Word says, who you are, and why you're here, what are you going to do about it? When you leave here, you're going to go, oh, that was a tough message. I can't wait till Pastor Brian's back. I have some bad news for you. I'm here next week, too. You know how, you want me to let you in on a little secret? You know how to know when I'm preaching? There's a music stand instead of the cross that I can't see you guys over. That's true. Sad, but true. There's a music stand here instead of the pulpit Brian preaches over. You guys can't see me if I preach from that. It's unfortunate. We were going to get a soapbox and all that, you know, but then I like to move around. It's messy. Plus, I could fall and die. You don't want that to happen. Thank you. There's always an encourager, Barnabas, in the crowd. I love that. What are you going to do about it when you leave here? What are you going to do? Are you going to go home and do exactly what you did before you got here? Are you going to go back to work and, and behave the same exact way and put Jesus on the back burner if that's what you're doing? And I'm not saying everyone is, so please don't hear that. I'm speaking to the people who need to hear this right now. You know? If I asked your spouse, if you loved them and led them like Jesus, what would they say? You know, these are the things we have to consider. And I said early on, the only obstacle is us, is me. As soon as I got done with this message, I went to my wife, I kissed her on the forehead, and I said, sorry. And she's like, what did you do now? I says, it's not what I did, it's what I'm not doing. I'm not doing it enough, I'm not doing it well enough, and, and I'm not showing her Jesus the way I should be. Plain and simple. And I'm being honest with you because I want to. I want change. I want to grow in that area. And it starts with us being accountable to each other. It starts with us being honest with each other. We can confess to God, but find a brother or sister you can confess to too. Because that person can start to pray for you and start to work with you and start to hold you accountable. And you'll be amazed at the transformation you see in your life. You know why Teen Challenge works? And you know why Brian and I are so different and been radically transformed? Yes, Jesus and the Holy Spirit invaded our lives. The grace of God, absolutely. But also because we were in a place where we were fully accountable for who we were and what we were doing and how we did it for a substantial amount of time and that's carried over now into our regular lives. And it's grown us tremendously. Trust me when I tell you, you do not want Brian or Jamie up here 11, 12, 15 years ago. <laughs> you do not. Jocelyn's like, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with that. And I pray you got something out of this. And I pray you show up next week. And I pray you change because of the word of God. Amen? Let's stand up and worship him. I'm going to disagree with Jamie there. He said it's not for everyone. I think it is absolutely for everyone. Not one of us is righteous.
There are always things to change. There are always places that we need to strip off this world and strip off our, our flesh and bring it to Jesus. Amen. I, for one, am really happy that uh, we belong to a congregation that is willing to tell us the hard truths because in those hard truths is where there is love. And the song says, I've tasted all this this world has to offer, and nothing can satisfy. And how many of us have felt that? How many of us know that? That there's nothing in this world that can satisfy us but Jesus. Amen. All that this world has to offer The here and gone that leaves you wanting more But can't satisfy Father, forgive me for taking so long to see best in me beneath the dust cause that's how you love yeah that's how you love you rush through my veins and I'm pregnant and I'm changed and my soul will sing with every heart beat in my chest Lord I surrender all that I have Days yet to come
days yet to come and the days in the past giving you God, we just lift you up today, God. With lifted hands, God, we put you where you belong, high, high above everything. Everything created, God. You were before it all, God. You created it all, including us, God. And just as we know our place in this world, God, let us know that you have lifted us up, God, to be your children. And let us act like we are. Let us change and behave and Listen to your correction and your instruction, God, because the word says you disciple those you love. And so, yeah, I should burn. It should hurt to change, God. But let us not rebel against your love. Let us just be encircled by your arms as you kindly and gently teach us to be and behave and to look and act like children of the Most High God. Thank you, God, for this wonderful word. Thank you for the freedom to worship you, God, to listen to your word, God. We pray a special blessing over, God, the people that have heard it, God, online and in person, God, and just lift up your people, God. Strengthen us in your love. In Jesus' name we pray.